0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, good evening, and welcome to a special edition of Saturday Morning with Joy Keys. I'm your host, Joy Keys, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter, at Joy Keys. Also, check me out on Facebook, Saturday Morning with Joy Keys and on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keith. Thank you, this is a special edition because I love this actress. Um, She's on one of my favorite shows on Showtime. Besides, she plays a mom. She has two kids, we'll talk about them. But besides that, this woman is so multi-talented. She is all over Chicago in a variety of theaters. Um, She has won a major award, Uh, we'll talk about that. and good evening, Tyler Abercrombie. Good evening.
0: How are you, Joy? And thank you for having me.
1: I am well. I'm happy that you're here with me. I'm glad that you're not sick with COVID. <laughs> oh, God, yes. <yeah. laughs> Nobody so has COVID? Just,
0: no one has that.
1: I know. How has it that impacted you this last year, this COVID drama?
0: Oh, oh, my God, I guess to begin with, it's impacting me the way it did everyone, this idea of just being sat down and pushed inside um, and, and constantly worrying about, you know, am I going to get it? Do I have it? You know, that paranoia that you have. It also, mm. though, made me, um, it made me appreciate sitting down. When you don't have to sit down, you know, you run around and you drive yourself crazy trying to do everything and all things. But when you have no place to go and there's nothing open for you to do and uh, you really take stock of, of uh, your life, and I think that it gave me that opportunity, which I really appreciated. And it um, it just made me re- appreciate small things a lot more. And I've continued that even as we start to open up and feel more free um, because it was – and that, that was rewarding to learn that you um, – You've been overlooking some things, or or I should say uh, taking for granted some things. And then, of course, not working for a year made you feel like, um, okay, I like a vacation, but this is too long,
1: (laughs) you know? I can imagine. So, So,
0: So you haven't worked at all this past year? I didn't start working until January 29th of 2021. My last day of work was March First, I did a, um, a play called Sweat by, um, uh, oh, my God, it, she would die three deaths, like how dare you not remember my name, by Lynn <laughs> Oh,
1: okay. <laughs> uh, yes. I it, oh, yes. I
0: love, yes. Okay, like how do I, Lynn is brilliant. How can I not say her name? Um, but I did Sweat at uh, Huntington Stages in Boston. That shut down March 1st. I came home March second, and I had I didn't work again until
1: January twenty ninth of twenty one. That's you a know, lot. I was reading, yeah, I was reading that one of your cast members on that show was actually sick, but this was before the whole COVID thing broke. Um, now if we found out somebody had those symptoms, we'd be like freaking out.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean. Uh, I remember my first day back to work, I was, you know, I'm, I'm real close to a hypochondriac. I always tell everybody that and anyone that knows me well knows that. (laughs) And, and so I was like, Oh, you know, please don't let me have these reflexes, you know, like someone gets too close to you and you just automatically like jump because you've had Mm -hmm. this year of being six feet apart and and whatever. And uh, it took, it took a week or so for me to start feeling like, okay, there, there's protocol in place and everyone's, Doing their due diligence, and and so I can feel, I say relaxed, but not relaxed to the point of not doing what
1: I'm supposed to do, but not being so panicked, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well, now you have been on Chicago PD, Chicago Med, Proven Innocent, um, Girlfriend Experience. How did you get this role as the mom uh, on the shy uh, on Showtime? Well, you know, I,
0: I, I auditioned for this role, but apparently the pilot had been shot. I didn't know anything about the pilot. I didn't know much about the shot. And uh, it came back around where they were doing some recasting for the pilot and were, were going to reshoot it. And I, I was lucky enough to get called in for that that, um, that round. And I remember going in to uh, the casting directors, Kargi and Ross, and I was, I had auditioned, but I had also said to um, uh, Melissa, you know, I, at that point, was saying, you know, I'm looking to get media roles. I go in, I've played, I've been uh, guest stars on many things. I've done two, three episodes, recurring character. But I wanted something with some texture. And I thought, I know you're not supposed to ask the casting director that, but, you know, she probably goes a small community, so just go, <laughs> put it out there. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah. And so I said to her, you know, um, because they only sent you the sides, and, uh, which are the, the material that you are auditioning for only. And uh, so I didn't know much about the story. And I said to her, "Well, yeah, you know, I don't know much about this role, but I'm really looking to try to start going out for you know things that uh, have more trajectory. Uh, do you have any advice for me?" And she she looked at me and she kind of answered with a real a little bite, you know. And I thought, okay, well I just ruined that opportunity. Um, but her point was, this is a good role. This is that kind of a role. This you're the mother of the you know the son of, of Moonlight, and you're the mother of something. I was like, oh okay. <laughs> And so I went from there and uh, I got called back in for the callback and then I booked it. So it was really, I think sometimes, you know, that saying ignorance is bliss. I didn't walk in with any um, preconceived notions. I wasn't nervous in the sense of beyond what you are just out auditioning. And I didn't have this idea of who this mom was. I read the sides. I took every mama I know, including my own, my sisters, my friends. And I just went in there, and you know, I always say try, I go in my auditions and try
1: to drop the mic. I got no
0: control after that, you know.
1: <laughs> well, you definitely dropped the mic several times in many episodes on the shy. Thank you. Just want to. to let people know, the the new season starts May twenty third. Um, it's a nine pm Eastern on Showtime. This is season four. Wow, you know, you're the tough mom. Uh, uh, your kids Keisha and Kevin, um, and you're the tough mom and Kevin is always trying to peek around doing something, um, but Keisha's had some crazy experiences. Um, one of them was the kidnapping mm-hmm. when she was kidnapped. I mean, yeah. I was on the edge of my seat on those. Hours, every episode, I was like, y'all got to find her. Y'all don't, please don't do this <laughs> one. Don't do it. Don't do it. I can't take it. Uh, what was happening? Did you know the end result? Did they tell you or you didn't know what was going to happen at the end of that she was gonna oh, found no. or not found? I, I, we had no
0: idea how the end would uh, unfold. We don't get the episodes too far in advance to avoid that, um, and that's good because, uh, you know, you read an episode at the end of the week of, of um, shooting one episode, and you're like, oh, my God. You know, you're like, wow, that's going to happen? So they're, they're, you get surprised as well. Um, and yeah, you know, playing this mother of uh, Keisha and Kevin, Alex Hebert and Burgundy Baker, I uh, I have no kids of my own. I have a fur baby, um, but I instantly—and this is a credit to to the uh, early stages of the writing—is that it, I instantly became mama bear over these these uh, these young people. You know what I mean? And and I mm-hmm. uh, I really felt this this. Um, attachment to them and, and protection that these are my kids you know what i mean and i think that's also just part of being the type of actor that i am i know what my role is and 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 i do the research for it and and i show up kind of like i just feel I'm, i've embodied the character by the time i get there and last season i had no no reference points for what keisha went through you know what i'm saying i had no you know i don't
1: have mm-hmm. a,
0: so all I could, I, after doing the research, I did do because I wanted to know what, um, how people dealt with that when their kids just come up missing and they just disappear and, and um, police aren't giving you any help and the community's, you know, trying to do what they can. but And so I did my fair share of research, but it was really honest, emotional journey of of, of going through that, you know.
1: And I'm gonna tell you, as a mom, that's my my daughter. She she you know she's grown and everything. She lives in a different city and all kinds. And I and I tell you, you know, when they say no matter how old your child gets, you're still concerned about them. You know, you hear that type of thing, but let me tell you, it really is. Like she'll tell me, oh, I was just walking the dog or something, and it'll be like nine thirty, and I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Where? Are you? you know, I'm like, do you have mace? And she's like, Mom. I'm like, well, carry a little nice, something. Damn, you know, you just walking around and this and that and other. And um, and then we just had a whole big battle about the mace parent. But anyway, um, this is issue of trauma though, with with black kids, black families dealing with trauma. Um, and and your character even had trauma. Uh, you know, she she talks about it came out about her trauma and what happened to her. Mm-hmm. You know, how have you dealt with trauma in your life? Like, have you had some kind of traumatic experience that's happened? And, and what did you do to come back to center?
0: Well, you know, I grew up, I, I am a Chicagoan. I grew up on the west side in the in the Austin community. And um, that was really, and, and we were a poor family. I always say we were financially poor because we weren't poor of spirit and mind and body, but we had no money. We were on public assistance and um, uh-huh. and that was a very difficult time growing up. I mean, you know, when you're a kid and and you're told you, you hear your mother kind of worrying worrying about she's a single mother worrying about a 5-day notice on the door. You know, as a kid, you think we're going to be put out in 5 days. You don't know the whole legal thing they have to go through before they can actually put you on the street and and so right, I have those right. kind of thoughts often I was always I've always been like a sort of a loner because uh of feeling ashamed of my own poverty and um, mm. uh, uh, financial poverty, I must indicate that because I, I I do think that people, person doesn't have money with somewhere there the lack of intelligence or the lack of human spirit and all of that. So I always indicate the difference because it's so not true, but. Um, And I grew up in an area where men would grab at me. You know, I I got my height and I developed early. And so they would grab and touch me and smack me on the butt and, you know, squeeze me. And, I mean, I was a Mm -hmm. kid. You know, I might be tall, I was a child. And so for a very long time, I felt felt having a uh, body that men considered attractive was a curse. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Wear baggy Mm -hmm. clothes Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. And uh, and and so I I never felt I never had the type of trauma thank God of of uh, a rape or um, molestation or definitely nothing like Keisha experienced with being kidnapped, but still the objectifying of my young body made me uh, a very cautious woman a very afraid woman for a while um, until I literally took psychological, psychology classes in, in, uh, at university and began to study and see and feel how the mind worked. And it made me, uh, I don't know how, I think because I took like human sexuality and, and, and uh, behavior and things of that nature, that somehow it gave me a power to understand what these people were trying to do to me. And uh, mm. and I feel like I, I took the extreme approach of being very defensive. So it was important that people didn't think I was cute and sexy, but that I was smart, you know, and yes. everyone yes. had to know you I was smart.
1: But, you um, know, so I
0: thought that I, I, I'm sorry.
1: No, no, go ahead. Finish your thought. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. I
0: just felt that I came out of on the other side of it by really learning how to love myself more than I loved or appreciated the love of others.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah. You have to love more yourself more because nobody else can love you better other than yourself. Exactly. And also you can't tell people what you need if you don't know how to love yourself. You you see, you'll accept. Very true. You know, Um, and that sometimes takes time to learn. Like, you know, you were learning. I think that's an issue with, People, but particularly, like, we're talking about this objectification of women and young girls and things that young girls go through that may be sometimes mm-hmm. unspoken, like, well, that's just the way it is. You know, right. that's just the way it is. Well, you know, you got, it's, it's, it's your fault, meaning, like, well, you got the bud and you got your judgment. What do you expect is going to yeah. happen? Yeah. Da, 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 da. You know, it's like when somebody gets rich, well, even, you know, why was she wearing this short skirt? What the hell? What does that have I to do go with it? You know? Something.
0: We dealt with that during the show, you know, people suggesting that because she was so-called fast or because she dressed provocatively, that it gave a man a right to snatch her up or or mistreat her. And, and we, you know, this thing of teaching women to travel in pairs and, and, you know, be careful of this guy, but not teaching young men, you don't have a right to this person. You don't have a right to this young lady's body or to touch them in a way that's inappropriate. We don't want to teach young men that. I mean, we're trying to go into that now, that awareness of, 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 um, you know, Me Too movement and Time's Up movement and things of that nature. But for years as women, and still to this day, we are, for me to say that you've done something to me inappropriately, I'm automatically guilty because of what I wore or what, you know, how I was presenting or what did I expect? And I just think that's so crazy. And and with the, my father was absent, and as a young woman, that is such a significant character in your life. I mean, for young men too, but you learn about men through the male um, examples you have, and so yeah, around you go through that mm-hmm. period. Yeah, you go through that period of trying to, you know, the worst thing I even said this to my sister, even though she has boys. I said the worst thing you can ever do is let a man teach a young girl about her body or a boy teach a girl about her body. You know what I mean? So you have to tell your children things and talk to them and and let them know that what they feel is okay and their body is changing and, and they
1: don't have to do anything they don't want to do. It's really important. No, definitely. Um, it's funny because um, the weirdest thing is my, my dad, well, my parents are very open in terms of talking to me about all different types of subjects. They talked to me about sex. They gave me the book. I, got, I still have the book. I gave it to my daughter. My brother's read it. It's, it's been passed down. But um, one of the things, my, 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 my stepfather had actually talked with me about contraception. Um, and, which oh, wonderful. Was like when I, yeah, when I talk about it as an adult, I realize how, like, crazy that is. Of course, it was extremely uncomfortable. But um, he used to work with um, kids um, at a a, um, detention center. So he was, I guess, probably more aware, like, these are things that she's probably going to have to come up against. Let me just have this conversation Mm -hmm. with her. Um, But it still was odd for him, as opposed to my mom. But my mom had other conversations, you know, with me. Um, So it's really important. One of the issues that you guys deal with, uh, your character, Nina, is that she gets married on the show, and um, Mm -hmm. she doesn't get married to a man. She gets married to a woman. Yes. So Mm -hmm. that was something, you know, groundbreaking, I think, for TV. Uh, It's become more acceptable to see the queer uh, movement on TV and be accepting. Um, I think the kids on the show, uh, you know, they're like, okay, let's let's say, Mom, you know, How did you? Right. Think, how did you? How did you feel about? Um, I mean, portraying the queer character. I don't know if you're queer, so I don't want to make any assumptions. Um,
0: how and no, did you feel about that? I how did your family? Uh-huh. Well, I was I was excited. I, I remember when I read the role. The, again, like I said, those thighs, and I was like, "This is this sounds cool. I, you know, that sounds great." But I just didn't know how important she was in the story. But then uh, once I did get the script and I had the opportunity to sit at the table read, I remember saying to uh, uh, Lena Waithe, the, "You know, I've only met her a couple of times, but in those couple of times, I made sure that I I expressed to her how." I thought this character was not on television anywhere. I mean, we've seen our lesbian couples, but they're always rather affluent, and they have the beautiful homes with the great views mm-hmm. and the blonde wood floors and the luxury cars and their white partner and, you know, their brown child, and they're just this great family, and there's nothing wrong with that. But this woman who is just in the inner city with her two kids, I, there, there, there wasn't one. I didn't see this no. person anywhere, and I thought, this is great because we forget that that, that um, these people are in our communities and living life just like most of us, right? Mm-hmm, and, uh, mm-hmm. and so I was very excited about it. My siblings, my oh. mother passed away in twenty twenty thirteen, so she didn't get to see this, but my siblings oh, okay. were very much like, okay, great. Until, you know, until love things happened, and then they were like, oh, mercy. <laughs> you know, that <laughs> kind of thing. because <laughs> You know, So I always try to tell them in advance because they'd be like, I'm not ready. I'm just not ready. But uh, so, yeah, you know, I was very and I am still very happy to portray this character. I I think that it's such an important character and uh, Nina's fight for her children and her relationship and getting married and just trying to live a happy life like everybody else in the world and yet being met with all of these adversities, you know, is really what it's about. And I just think that yes. I don't think about the fact that she is a, a, a lesbian. I just, that she's a woman and this is her love and these are her children. Because I personally believe with my friends that are um, in same-sex relationships that they're not walking around all day thinking about that until someone makes wants to make a big deal of it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, just like, I mean, yeah. you
1: don't wake up every morning thinking I'm black until, I mean, I don't, until I walk out in the street and then some negative thing or I'm at work or some microaggression happens absolutely. and then I'm like, oh, here, we, here we go. Here we here go. Here we go.
0: Here we go. You're absolutely right. It's out there every single day. But when you wake up, you're just waking up ready to do what you got to do. What's on the to-do list? And, and then you you come up against these attitudes or or situations but yeah i I really embrace the character i'm very I, I really appreciate who and what she represents in in society and i you know I'm, I'm always hopeful that I'm doing a good job
1: at it I think you guys are doing a great job, and I like the fact like you were talking about she they're not rich and affluent, they don't have their picket fence. they don't have you know the the completely you know done hardwood floors they're just regular folk and that is important to see on TV because people are not represented in terms of class. Every class has gay people. Every class has, you know, this and other. So it 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 needs to be represented. And also there may be somebody out there who's like, you know what? They, they remind me of me, you know, that's me. And they can, you know, relate and um, they're happy to see that because maybe they don't ever see that on TV, you know? So I think, um, I, I love your relationship. I, I love the the, the 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 trauma and the drama, and your partner, you know, Dre trying to help you with the kids and you fighting back. I mean, it's the <laughs> same thing that would happen in a heterosexual. It's a new relationship, you know, and it, it has these yeah, growing it, pains.
0: Right, it has growing pains. You have she's coming into it, it, last year. She came into the fold with kids that were fourteen and seventeen, and so. You are, you know, I always I joke, like, you're showing up at the party with the bag of ice when the whole, you know, the cake's been served. So they're already ready, <laughs> and their personalities are formed, and they know who they are, and you're like, I'm your new mom. You know, I'm here to help raise you. And it's like, you can't raise me. I'm already, you know, I'm already grown kind of thing. But, but mm-hmm. you know, she, she leans into that, and, and she doesn't, you know, she's not afraid to be – liked or disliked by the kids because she's like, I love your mom, I love you,
1: we're a family, and she just attacks that, you know. Right, right. Well, let's talk about the fact that you are the inaugural recipient of the Northside Raven Theater $25,000 New Play Initiative. Tell the audience about that. What, how did that happen? What does that mean?
0: Thank you, first of all, for celebrating with me with that. I am so proud of that achievement, and tremendously, because I love theater and uh and you know it just is part of my heartbeat. You know, I realized that during COVID how much I missed it. So that came about because I had um, already been planning to do some work at Raven Theater. I had directed a uh, stage reading, and I was in conversation with uh, Cody Estes, who's the artistic director about working up there and looking for a play and directing something up there. So we, were, we had already started to form our relationship. Uh, uh, and so when this opportunity came around, I actually had um, talked to Cody about using him as one of the theaters I wanted to work with as I pursued different types of grants. Well, the okay. grant that I pursued, I did not get. And uh, Cody was so anxious, he, kept, he would call me almost uh, every few days to say, hey, have you heard? Have you heard? And I was like, not yet, not yet. And so then once they, they turned me down, he called me, and he's like, good, I'm glad that's finally over. We want to offer you this. And it was just like, you know, the gift you did not see coming at all. Um, wow. So okay. I know, right? He was, and, and what he explained was uh, we had talked about um, a writing initiative with, with uh, Raven Theater. They're a great Northside theater. Um, I love the work that they do. Cody had come to see the reading of um, my newest work at that time, which was Relentless, over at Timeline Theater, and we kind of started communicating after that. And so once he knew that I was interested in this relationship and he was very interested, he said it, the wheels had been turning for him for him from that moment. And so okay. when the opportunity presented itself, because he didn't know, he had no idea I was going to say, hey, you know, I'm going to do some grant filling, I'll fill out some grants and can I use your name and I'd love to work with your theater. So that wasn't even in his mind, mm-hmm. but he w- he mm-hmm. said he was great. He was happy to hear it because here from that one discussion, he uh, talked to some of his board members and they were like, yeah, let's do it. And so I was, I was excited. I did not expect to get this, this, uh, grant, and I am so excited about this initiative. I think it's going to be wonderful for Chicago.
1: Now, is this connected to The Last Pair of Earlies? Is that what this is connected to? Yeah. Another...
0: So uh, actually, no, it's not. I'm going to direct The Last Pair of Earlies. The Last Pair of Earlies is actually written by um, Joshua Allen. And uh, Joshua okay. were, uh, is also a television writer. In fact, he, worked on, he, he uh, wrote on Empire. Um, but uh, he was a playwright as well, and so Cody and I had already kind of come to a point where we were like thinking about this play and should we do this play, and you know we both kind of felt a certain way about it. And and so the last day of early, I will be directing this fall. In fact, uh, now that theaters are going to start opening back up, which is amazing and wonderful. Um, <laughs> I know, right? So that's going to be the uh, first uh, theater project that I get right back into. Um, is the last pair, pair of earlies at um, Raven Theater in the fall. But that's separate from my um, award. My award is about me creating a play, writing a play for Raven Theater specifically that um,
1: they will produce and will become just,
0: you know, something I think extraordinary.
1: <laughs> How do you have time to balance this, getting grants, writing, and then doing a the show uh, you like wake up in the middle of the night and, and have an idea and scratch it on the, on the pad or <laughs> you're walking around uh, with the iPad it. <laughs> while you're shooting the, fatigue, while you're shooting the show. I mean, what's the deal?
0: <laughs> I actually do walk around and use the, um, the mic on my phone a lot. I record play ideas. I have uh, this running list of play ideas and, um, and I have a, moments happen sometimes in the day, and I'm like, oh, this would be great dialogue for this character. You know, I just thought of something, and I thought, oh, this, this is how this dialogue is going to go. Because, you, know, you know, any writer will tell you your characters speak to you when they feel like it. <laughs> you know, mm, you don't really mm, necessarily mm-hmm. get to be like, oh, I'm ready to write your thoughts. No, you might have a moment that's <laughs> like, oh, wow, I can really feel this character right now. So uh, I do do that, and I am a night owl. So everyone that knows me knows one: do not call me before ten a.m. because I'm just not going to converse with you. Because okay. I probably didn't go to bed until about five a.m. because I'm a night. Mm. I, I, well, I'm really yeah, I'm a night owl. I get my juices flowing at about eight nine o'clock at night, and I can be up to five in the morning. So my emails, and in fact, my email to you came about two thirty in the morning <laughs> uh, because. Because I'm up typing things, and I, I'll see something. I said I, I was researching for our talk today, and I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't send her the information. So I usually am up really late at night, and I'm usually writing between days I'm off. But the good thing about the shy is we're off on the weekends, so I can at least write during the weekends. And um, and then I am, like a lot of writers, pressed because I you know, have to finish my first drafts for – uh, two projects actually. So that's really okay. what May is about.
1: Yeah. So now you said you have a fur baby. What kind of fur baby do you have?
0: A Yorkshire Terrier named
1: Toby. And how old how old are they?
0: Uh Toby is I only have one now. I used to have two. Toby is twelve and uh um, okay. I used to have Buffy. Buffy passed away in um May twenty nineteen. Um, but Toby is 12 years old. I've had her since she was seven and a half weeks. The other one was a rescue, but I had her for 10 years before she passed away. Wow.
1: So now mm-hmm. do you have somebody walk the dog, or do you, are you able to take the dog on set? How does that work? I, I usually, Toby's
0: so trained. I mean, she's been with me for so long. She's, you know, she's got, gone through tech during theater and tech, on a theater show is crazy, and she's stayed all over, you know, the country in different cities, you know, and and states. And so she has a, you know, she's trained. But I do take her. If I have an
1: early call,
0: (laughs) yeah, if I have an early call, I take her with me, especially if it's going to be I can look at uh, what our call is that day or what we're going to be working on, and I think, oh, we're going to be, I'm going to be here all day. It's going to be a long day. Then I take her, but she stays in my trailer, And on my breaks, I take her out to walk. I don't take her on set because I don't want anyone else having to be responsible for my pet. And I don't want her, um, you know, being in anybody else's way. So she usually comes with me. She stays in my trailer. I walk her on breaks. Everybody knows her and they play with her. And, you know, they, you know, really like her, you know. And some people are like, if you bring your dog, let me know. We'll keep her, you know. So it's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> well, I want to thank you so much for coming on this evening. Um, again, I want to mention to people that this is the season four coming up May 23rd of the Shy on Showtime, 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, we can't wait. Can you give us any hints about something Nina's going to go through this season? Maybe.
0: Oh, any hints what Nina's going to go through? Nina is going to go through hell and high water to make sure oh, her God. children are safe. <laughs> that's about okay. it. Okay, <laughs> that's about it. Okay, Tyler, I got you. I see you. I see you. Yeah, there. <laughs> I set I set you up really good, right?
1: You did. You did. You set me up. But thank you, thank you and thank you. I wish you so much success with your award and the new plays. I wish you if you videotape them, maybe you can put them like online somewhere where people could see them. Well,
0: you know, a lot of theaters are having to do that now, or, you know, have a, um,
1: where, you, you know, they have ticket
0: sales, but they also have a streaming sale, so people will be able to see yes. them online. And, uh, and oh, I didn't good. mention okay. this one, but my, my, yeah, my, my uh, other theater piece is Relentless, which that's the one we talked about earlier that was postponed last year, but we are going to be mm-hmm. doing going into rehearsal for it this year, late in the year. So I'm back-to-back on projects. I'm pretty excited
1: about it. Well, keep me informed. Let me know. I would love to have you back on the show to talk about any of your projects. They sound so interesting. Thank you for calling in today. And, you know, please get some rest. Don't stay up till five o'clock in the morning.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you everybody for tuning in. I'm just getting off the phone here with Tyler Abercrombie. She plays Nina on the Chai She's like Nina Williams. Uh, she's the mother of Tisha and Kevin. The Shy uh, restarts May 23rd, 9 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Please check them out. Um, ch- follow me on Twitter at Joy Keys. Also check me out on Facebook, Saturday Mornings with Joy Keys. And on Instagram, Saturdays with Joy Keys. You can also email me, um, Saturdays with Joy Keys at hotmail.com. I give away a lot of stuff, books tickets now that shows are opening up you never know i might be giving tickets to a show uh, cds so i encourage you to follow you might be a winner everybody have a wonderful evening thank you
0: every year millions of americans are exposed to a
1: contagious virus what is this virus it's stigma stigma
0: promotes an environment of shame
1: fear and silence
0: which prevents millions of people from seeking help
1: but there's good news
0: The National Alliance on Mental Illness believes
1: stigma towards mental illness is 100% curable. So do yourself and
0: everyone a favor.
1: Go to CureStigma.org and get tested for stigma.